Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Not only the woman who committed incest, but the man who committed incest was supposed to be put to death. <laughs> so Tamar is saying, hey, boys, the execution's not complete here. You need my partner here at the side to be burned with me. So she says, uh, go get them. Judah discerns who they are, and he realized, oh, I'm the one who's supposed to be killed next to her. And all the crowd stops, and they wait for Judah who has to now come and explain to the crowd, and do you think that Judah was put to shame? And on that, that's bad. That was an extreme shame for Judah. That was the utmost public shame for him. The very thing that Judah feared the most of being shamed and put to shame, it happened to him. And that public shame was so bad for Judah that Judah had no more future in Canaan. That was it for him. What happened there resulted in Judah in humiliation and shame leaving Canaan. And that's why the next time we see Judah, it's not until chapter 43, he's back home again. Because Judah was put to such an extreme public shame on that day. He couldn't live with the Canaanites anymore. He was finished. And so he he had to go home where he belonged. So on this day, before everyone's eyes, Judah is seen as guilty. And on this day, He is publicly exposed of guilty of of incest, a hypocrite, because he was about to cause the wrongful death of this Canaanite woman. That's a perfect shame for Judah to drive him out. So when it says in verse 26, Judah acknowledged them, nakard them, it's a really power-packed word, acknowledge, because it means far more than, oh yeah, that's my property. I acknowledge that's my property. It means that Judah acknowledged his sins. And that was a public acknowledgement for Judah. And when a person becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's so important that he make a public acknowledgement. That's why Romans 10 and 9 keeps talking about two parts of man. It says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The heart and the mouth go hand in hand. In Romans 10.9 is, confess with thy mouth, believe in thine heart. Romans 10.10 is, with the heart, man believeth, and with the mouth, confession is made. So true belief, true belief in the Lord Jesus is with the heart, and that will drive the confession with the mouth. Belief is only true if it's backed up by confession, that's why it says in 1 John 4.15, 1 John 4.15, whosoever 
shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Confession that Jesus is God. It's not just that Jesus is the Messiah, but that Jesus is God, and that's what separates false cults from the truth. Confession that Jesus is God. And Judah's confession was that he sinned, and his sin was worse than her sin when Judah said, in verse 26, she hath been more righteous than I. And what made his confession so real when he said that? Because he gave a specific to it. He didn't just say, well, yeah, she's, I'm worse than her. He said, no, I'm worse than her because I gave her not to Sheila, my son. He was specific. What we see here in Judah, which really made this a real, real authentic repentance and salvation, Authentic repentant salvation is evidenced when a person openly confesses that Jesus is God. Authentic repentance and salvation is evidenced when a person openly confesses he's a sinner. Authentic repentance and salvation is evidenced when a person names his sin. And the last part is so very important in verse 26 when it says, he knew her again no more. Authentic repentance and salvation is evidence when there is a forsaking of those specific sins. And that's why Judah was a fornicator. Okay, but he repented of his sins. And from this point, Judah used to be a fornicator, but he's now described what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, coveted, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Judah needed to, and he did, repent in order to not perish, as the Lord said, in Luke 13.3, Luke 13.3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That meant Judah had to forsake that life, which he did. So now Judah can say, I once was a fornicator, but now I'm washed. Now I'm sanctified. Now I'm justified in the name of Jehovah and by the Spirit of God. So when Judah acknowledged his sin and confessed he was a sinner, Judah became just like Job. Judah became just like Job. This is a very characteristic. He says, you know, she's more righteous than me. Job says in Job 42.6, Job 42.6, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now keep in mind, this is the person that God boasted about. And the person that God boasted about is saying that he abhors himself and he repents in dust and ashes. And he said in Job 40 verse 4, 40 verse 4, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I'll lay my hand upon my mouth. Abraham, same way. Abraham, same way. In Genesis 18, 27, 18, 27, Abraham said, behold now, I am but dust in ashes. Jacob, same. Jacob, same. Genesis 32, 10, 32, 10. I'm not worthy of the least of thy mercies and of thy truth, which thou showed on thy servant. Ezra, same. Ezra, same. Ezra, 9, 6, 9, 6. And said, oh my God, I'm ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee. Okay. David, same, especially David. Yeah. Psalm 51.5, Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You know what he was saying there? David was saying there, 
Sinners do not become sinners because they sin. They are sinners because they are born sinners. That's what he's saying. Isaiah, same. Isaiah 6, 5. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the king. Isaiah 53, 6. The great Isaiah 53 chapter. All, and that's where you get it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Every last one. Isaiah 54, 6. But we all are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Peter, same. Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Prodigal son says it best. In Luke 15, 18, Luke 15, 18. I will arise, go to my father, and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee. No more worthy to be called thy son. You show me a person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ with two statements. I have sinned, and I'm not worthy, and I'll show you a person who's saved. You show me a person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ to become a Christian, but doesn't make those statements, I have sinned and I'm not worthy. And I'll show you a person who's in danger of having the Lord say to him when he's trying to get into heaven, Matthew 7, 23, Matthew 7, 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. See, the publican is the one who got it right. In Luke 18, 13, publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, those are not just the one, two, three, repeat after me words of now, just say I'm now I'm a sinner. The sincerity of those words is how he wouldn't lift up his eyes and how he hits his chest and he says, and he's begging God, be merciful to me because he says, I'm a sinner. Paul, same, line up Paul. First Timothy 1.15, 1 Timothy 1.15, the faithful saying worthy of all acceptation, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm chief. I'm at the head of the line. That's Paul saying is a statement that said, here is a statement where you rely your eternal destiny on that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And while you're thinking about it, please step aside because I have to go to the front of the line because I'm the chief of sinners. Sinners line up here. I'm first. No, Judah did not make any excuses. He didn't say, well, you know, my wife just died. It's been a rough, <laughs> rough time here. He didn't deny it. Well, I know I didn't do it. She tricked me into it. He just hung his head in shame. He hung his head in shame. And he knew her again no more. He really meant business when he confessed it. Just like David. Oh, David. David's sin was gazing on a beautiful woman as she was washing. He takes her, and repentance was so real with David that when he's old, he's losing body heat. And so what do they do? They find this beautiful young woman and the account says, 1 Kings 1, 4, now David was old and stricken in years. They covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Wherefore, a servant said unto him, let there be sought for my lord, the king, a, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him. Let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord, the king, may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout the coast. They found Abishag, the uh, Shunammite, brought her to the king, and the damsel was very fair, cherished the king, ministered to her. But the king knew her not. So they got this young, beautiful woman. She's like a hot water bottle <laughs> in his bed, you know. And hot water bottles don't work if they have clothes on, right? So here, just put your put your warm body next to his, 
That repentance was so evil here, he never touched her. He never touched her. All right? So those actions verified a repentance. And Judah's response was a change. He never touched her again. And that's what makes sincere repentance and honest confession, and that's what God rewards with the forgiveness of sin. Repentance is not true unless Proverbs 28.13 happens. Proverbs 28.13 says, He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So the chapter begins with sin. It ends with repentance. That's what I mean. Light's coming through. Now, that was a lot of drama (laughs) for one chapter. But wait, it's not over. (laughs) So Tamar is taken from the gallows. And she's taken from the gallows to the maternity ward. And and, and so she's she's taken from ending her life to starting new life. And and so the drama continues on in verse 27. Verse 27, came to pass the time of her travail, that behold, twins were in her womb. I mean, she's got twins. The word behold is really emphasizing to us, that's a surprise. This is a surprise. Didn't expect this. I mean, there's twins in her womb. No one expected twins. So now we're taken to the time of her delivery as Tamar's in labor. And here's another surprise in verse 28. It came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand, the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying, this came out first. So now we got to picture this scene. I mean, there's Tamar. She's in the labor. There's the midwife ready to receive the baby that's going to come out. And the midwife is, you know what comes out first? Head, breech feet, head, normal, okay? But she's shocked because in verse 20, it says the one put out his hand. You know, my father was an obstetrician. I grew up with babies being born. (laughs) He delivered literally thousands of babies in his career. This never happened. This never happens. Sometimes baby will have, it's always head or feet. Sometimes a baby will have his hand on his face. But never the hand comes out in childbirth. Never, never. So here's the midwife, and she's expecting to see either the head or the feet come out. And when she's shocked, a hand comes out. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? She must have jumped off her chair. Like, what is that? Out comes this baby hand. You know, it's like striving to reach, you know, like the Olympic swimmer, trying to reach the wall to be counted as the winner in the race, you know. I mean, she's in it, and the baby's in some kind of, she understand, like competitive struggle. He's reaching his hand out first. She's she got to be shocked. She gets herself composed. And then she ties a scarlet thread on his hand. You ever wonder why she did that? Why did she charge? Why would she do that? You know why she did it? I'll tell you. Because twins look alike. <laughs> they look alike. So, oh, let me see the baby. Okay, let me see the baby. So, oh, yeah, well, you go over here. You go over here. Now, what are you doing there? What are you doing? Which baby came out first? You know? What, what, now, what, was it this baby that was born first or that baby that was born first? I, I think it was this one. I think, I think it was this one, but you've been moving around. It's like those, those little cups with the bead underneath it, you know? <laughs> the Padres game, you know, which one's it in? <laughs> so, how can you be sure? They're twins. They look the same. They've been there before. They knew she had twins, so they have the scarlet thread right there, ready, hand comes out, okay, ties it on there, that's fine. Okay, so that's why verse 28 is written. So the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying, this one came out first. You know, I'm going to pull this one on me later, 
This is the one with the scarlet. This one came out first. Now, another first to childbirth in verse 29 came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold, his brother came out and she said, how hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore, his name's called Pharaoh's, which means breaking forth. So the baby who everyone expected to come out first and was marked as the, with the scarlet thread as the one who should have come out first now draws back his hand. And again, we have this word, behold. Behold, and emphasizes the shock of this event. Behold, his brother came out first. So the baby that started to come out first and was marked as the one that everyone expected to come out first, he draws back his hand and his brother comes out first. This was so dramatic and it becomes the basis for the naming of the child. You know, when, he, when the one who finally does come through, he says, boy, you broke through all the barriers and obstacles. It was unbelievable. We're calling you breaking forth, which is what Ferris means. Ferris should have been second. Zara drew back his hand, and then Ferris took the opportunity and broke through the barriers and said, well, if you're going to hesitate, I'm going. You know? <laughs> and like, I don't know. I mean, just think about that. I mean, here was baby Zara, who started to come out first and was marked with the scarlet thread and was expected to come out fully and then draws back his hand. And there's baby Ferris, sees the opportunity, breaks through all the barriers and comes out first. And then later, Zara comes out. That's very symbolic. That's very symbolic. By what happened at this childbirth, what do you think this is symbolic of? And I'll give you a hint. It's symbolic of two people groups. Pharaohs and Zara represent people groups. What, what people groups do you think start to come out first and then draw back and another people group broke through and came out? It has a lot of meaning for the term Israel Restoration Ministries. <laughs> what people group is represented by Zara who starts to come out first and then draws back? That's the Jewish people. That's the Jewish people. Yeah. Matthew 3, verse 1. Matthew 3, verse 1 describes John the Baptist. It said, In those days came John the Baptist. He's preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He's saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is he that was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same, he, John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was, was locust and wild honey. Then it says in verse 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. And they were baptized by him in Jordan, confessing their sins. And then later when the Lord Jesus comes, in Matthew 4, next chapter, Matthew 4, verse 23, Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him sick people taken with diverse diseases, diseases, torments, those that possessed with devils, lunatic, palsy, he heals them all. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. That's the Jewish people. That's the Jewish people. They are Zara. They start to put their hand out first, and everyone expected the Jewish people to be born again first. But something happens. 
And in John chapter 66, John 6, 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back. They drew back and walked no more with him. And then the summary statement is in John 1, 11. John 1, 11, he came unto his own. His own received him not. They drew back. His own, the Jewish people, started to put their hand out with John the Baptist, with the Lord's ministry, but then with the statement in John 1, 11 of him coming to his own and his own receiving him not, we see the Jewish people draw back their hand. Zara is drawing back his hand. And then something amazing happens. Something amazing happens, and we start to see the glimmer of this before the book of Acts in Matthew 8, 8, Matthew 8, 8. The centurion, a Roman Gentile centurion, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, he goeth. To another, come, he cometh. To my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What's that? That's Pharaoh's. Pharaoh's is said, oh, if they're going to draw back, I'm going to launch forward. So the Gentiles, like Pharaoh's, broke through all the obstacles of being aliens from God, having no benefits that we read about in Romans. They're the ones who were born first. They're the ones who were born again first. That was not expected. And now the question is, was Zarek going to come out? Is Zarek ever going to be born? Yes, Paul says in Romans 11. This is all subject to Romans 11. Romans 11, I say then, has God cast away his people? God forbid. Romans 11, 25. I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. They start to reach out their hand, but then they pulled it back. Until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, until Pharaoh is born. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away on God, lead us from Jacob. So Zara represents the Jewish people. Pharaoh represents the Gentile people. Zara was born after Pharaoh was born. And for symbolism, Zara will be born after Ferris is born. Zara represents the Jewish people. Zara will be born after the fullness of the Gentiles have been born again, have come in. And Ferris represents the Gentiles, and Zara was going to be born after Ferris is born. So the name Israel Restoration is based in the meaning of the name of Zara. And I haven't told you what the meaning of Zara is, but I'll tell you now. Zara means rising. Isn't that wonderful? Zara means rising or rising again. And that's the history of the Jewish people. The history of the Jewish people is a history of the rise and fall and rising again of the Jewish people. That is. And that meaning is behind the name Zara. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you have not cast away your people. Thank you, Lord, that Zara will be born. And even though started to come out, then pulled back. And thank you for the Gentiles, Lord, that have been born. Thank you for loving Tamar and not letting her get away with her awful plot, Lord, but having it backfire, bringing her. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Judah out of the Canaanites through the public shame, Lord, getting it back where he needed to get back to. Thank you, Lord, for not abandoning us here on earth, continuing your wonderful work of instruction correction. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.